It's partly cloudy and two degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Police in Windsor, Ontario ticketed and towed vehicles blocking the Ambassador Bridge after a judge issued an order for protesters to leave. Demonstrations that began as truckers protesting COVID-19 restrictions have now spread across the border with people coming out against all restrictions. Reporter Elwin Lopez says similar inspired protests are being seen in other parts of the world. Other protests like these against COVID-19 mandates and restrictions popping up across the globe. In Paris, police firing tear gas to disperse several demonstrators and authorities in New Zealand blasted music to break up protesters there. Online groups are also trying to organize a vehicle protest Monday in Brussels. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister's office says the incident response group will be meeting with Justin Trudeau for a second time this weekend to discuss the illegal blockades and occupations taking place across the country. The city of Edmonton was granted an injunction to help manage the protests there this weekend, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I am over in the northwest looking at 16th Avenue and Canada Olympic Drive where we have that stalled vehicle and some tow trucks on the scene in your northbound right curb lane. Now, those tow truck drivers are giving you direction on how to get through that intersection. Perfectionists aren't the easiest people to be around, but they're the best people to have around when your vehicle needs repairs. Western Canada's favorite body shop, Craftsman Collision, Air Miles and Bigger Smiles. From the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. An Edmonton lawyer says the interim injunction against the downtown protests is very broad. The city has been granted an injunction in regards to the noise from the convoys that have taken place over the past three weeks. And Abnish Nanda says this bylaw covers any use of a vehicle horn that police find unacceptable. If you're part of the convoy protests, you can face a likelihood of being arrested or stopped or fined as a result of honking your horn. I think for other people who may be just uh, honking their horn for other reasons, they may get stopped, they may get uh, in trouble because of this. And it's really up to individual police officers to figure out which horns are good and which horns are bad. The injunction is in effect until March 4th. The Edmonton Police Service says 70 tickets were issued to drivers with the convoy protests at the legislature yesterday. 60 of those are being mailed out to registered owners of the vehicles. And in total, nine tickets were issued relating to noise. Students from Calgary and the surrounding area showed off their new skills in financial literacy through an entrepreneurship program that hosted an event Saturday. Sixteen teams comprised of students from Calgary and Airdrie were featured at Junior Achievements Company Program trade show at Cross Iron Mills, selling their unique products. Hannah Tester was one of them, and she saw that COVID-19 was resulting in isolation and mental health issues, so she and her team created a business that involved selling low-maintenance plants. Our whole products are really designed around battling mental health awareness, you know, so with COVID, people have so many increasing mental health concerns these days, and we thought that providing people with just like a plant companion would remind them that they're, you know, they're not alone and they're supported during this time. Tester says profits are going towards a mental health charity. Taking a look at sports, the Calgary Flames have extended their win streak to six games with a 5-2 victory over the New York Islanders last night. Andrew Mangiapane scored his team-leading 24th goal of the season in the victory. It's Calgary's fifth straight win in regulation and the team's ninth victory overall in the last 11 games. The Flames have a couple of nights off before hosting the Blue Jackets on Tuesday. Global News Sky Tracker weather, a mix of sun and cloud today reaching a high of 6. 
Mainly cloudy and minus two overnight. Tomorrow brings a 60% chance of flurries with a high of two. It's two degrees at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs and it is February the 13th. Uh, Where is this winter going? We've been pretty, pretty lucky. Not a lot of winter going on out here right now, so it's it's actually kind of nice. But you will see, if you look out into your yard, the areas where all the snow is gone and maybe some areas where there's still a little bit of snow left. So maybe in those areas you want to steal from Peter to give to Bob over there in the sunny spots. Uh, <laughs> take, uh, take some of the snow from those shady spots if you can and just dump it into those shrub beds or flower beds, whatever. It'll melt in there nicely. It's supposed to be nice all week. And on these days, if it is above sort of five, you can get out and uh, wash your evergreens down, give them a little um, little refreshing drink, hose off all the dust and bugs and things like that. Um, and if you have a big deciduous tree out in the middle of the yard, it needs a little bit, you can give it a little bit. Um, don't flood your yard, but uh, it won't hurt just to get the, the top frozen again. And uh, if this weather sustains, we'll we'll talk about maybe a little bit more watering further along. But uh, right now we're not uh, in too too dire needs. But it is it's definitely dry, so we want to be uh, cautious of that. Um, and the ever popular Myrna Pierman is going to join me at around nine thirty five, and she is the the bird person and uh, some Chinred seeds. She's a uh, a naturalist uh, bird expert who's going to share her expertise on the birds. Um, always popular when she joins me, so listen in, 935. But right now I do have Jen, who's also very popular. Good morning, Jen. Aw, hi, Merle. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah? Well, I can almost walk again. I don't know. I went to, oh, yeah. Doing that laser therapy, which is great. Um, it works, but um, I went for three sessions this week, and it just froze mm. my knee up because I. And she goes, "Don't worry, Merle. It's gonna. That's good. It means it's working <laughs> on your muscles." I'm like, uh, uh, yeah. I can really walk. Oh no! <laughs> but, is it better today? Uh, definitely a lot better. She said good. it would take twenty four to forty eight hours, and good. so good that just you. tells you that their muscles are healing. So, yeah, which is good. Which is good. 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 Um, yeah, because. Um, I got a little travel. We got to go to see our growers and check on our babies yeah, and stuff this week. Yeah. Awesome. Out in Vancouver and uh, BC area with some of our growers out there. And How um, many do you think you're going to hit, Merle? Pardon me? How many do you think you're going to hit? Um, probably got about, I got about six growers lined up already to nice. visit. Yeah. Um, and I got to get, um, we do all our, a lot of our custom moss baskets out there. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm meeting with uh, Thomas. He's going to, um, I got to fill him in. Just got a couple more new customers that have ordered their, we do quite a few restaurants and things like that, as mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Um, just had another larger landscaper to put in a fairly large order for some of those custom baskets. Word around town is that we have nice baskets. So, which is. <laughs> <laughs> Word around town. I love that. Well, yeah, we do. Yeah. Right? They're nice. Yeah. 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 Very cool. So, and the same thing, we, if we have enough time, 
So if there are any restaurants or if you need a few more baskets than so like 10 plus, we do we can do custom for you. And uh, so we're okay. uh, we're getting all the colors mixed uh, out there so I could get them all lined up for what we need for the spring and uh, and then get them growing. I love going a couple, usually this time and then again, usually around April because they're just still just about to start blooming. They're looking really mm-hmm. good. Um, anyways, I, I can't believe it, the, Merle. It, I can't believe we're crazy? about this. Yeah, I know spring. I, well, yeah, you, 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 it sort of leads into something that you, you texted me. People have been coming in looking for annuals. They have, yeah, and I, I mean, I feel so bad because they're so excited. Um, but I think too, if you know, if you're just if you're new to it or whatever, it's hard to kind of understand what goes on. And and we don't we don't grow them from seed here, so we don't have them sitting around. And it's a whole process. I mean, it's maybe that's something you can talk about as well in terms of the process and how that looks. From the growers to us. Yeah, when I was growing, like when I was working at Sunnyside as the grower, um, mm-hmm. we would start seeding January second, um, okay. and that's we typically do our pansies, um, and then from that day on, you just because we we're doing so much, yeah, um, it's a little, it's still a little early to start a lot of that stuff. So we climatize them, um, we put them outside usually April first, the pansies. So so from January. February, March, April 1st, they'd go outside and right. they'd freeze sort of solid for that <laughs> month and a half. Um, but we'd always throw this pink Vigoro. It's similar to our 1632.6. Mm-hmm. We'd throw that on top of the of the baskets, of all the trays of flowers on the backside of the house. Um, they'd be in a full sun area. And on warm days, you'd water them and stuff like that. But then right. they'd always just be so perfect. They'd just come up. So for mid early May when you need your pansies, they'd yeah. just be that the leaves would be so crisp. That's one thing I did enjoy when we grew our own stuff is uh the super crisp um geraniums, pansies, because we really climatized everything. So I do push okay. that a lot with our growers um that we that we work with now is that I really I try to get everything climatized as much as we can. Because if they come from a super warm house right out to Calgary, just mm-hmm. being in our wind and our sun, it can just fry them. Like it's just yeah. amazing. You get that cool early May wind going across some baby plants. It can it'll just shrivel those leaves up. Um, <laughs> Good night. Just like me yeah. getting off the plane from Mexico, my skin just <laughs> shrivels oh up. God. Jeez. Limping and yeah, yeah. What a hot mess. Yeah, everybody, what did that guy do? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? No comment. Aww, what happened you're plumping to Mexico back up. It's stays good. in Mexico. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's nice. But um, yes, people people have been coming in looking for annuals and um, not yet. Yeah, still a bit early. Um, even if you're going to grow some of your own, some of the bulbs will be coming in soon. Um, we actually, do have a lot some, of bulbs actually. just came in. Yeah. 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 And, but just get what you need. It's still a bit early. Sort of wait till you get into March. The days are longer. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you seed too early, um, it, they just sit there anyways because the days aren't that long. There's not right. a lot of uh, – and so just if you get into March, I just find everything just works better. There's okay. a little bit longer days. It's a little warmer. It's It just it just works, and uh, you kind of not just sit there for that two weeks um, okay. where things just don't happen. So. So yeah. once you get into, so you can start if you want to seed some petunias and snapdragons, pansies, stuff like that. 
you can start in in March. But if you're if you're trying to grow some of your veggies and and things like that, you're still a bit early. Yeah. Um, All right. So. Yeah, it's um, coming I, now. I think we should have a, a a date. I think we have a seeding schedule. Um, I'll d- double check and make sure that's been put. I'll chat with Brad. Um, do you know? Did that get put out? Do you know? The seeding schedule a, on downstairs. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Um, to be okay. honest with you, I didn't take a peek, but I do know that we have even more seeds out and supplies right now. So I'm I'm assuming, but I can actually I'll text you after the show here my portion and let you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was chatting with um, um, Brad and that about the seeds, and um, we've just been asking them just to to fill us right up. When we got a great, great selection again yes, from we do. from West Coast Seeds and yeah. the Father Gills, and uh, our our supplier out of um, Vernon, they've have some real issues right now. I'm not too sure with staff, and mm. so they're just behind. So we're we're hoping they can get some of their things figured out but we got a lot of seeds which is great um, love it down so, there yeah yeah so good so yeah good um so so in the tropical area um what's going on down there right now what's going on um well i i, I mean people know who chris is chris is back on the floor for starters that's super cool and she's got all kinds of information in her brain um for all kinds of reasons trees plants whatever you name it um so chris is there that's new we've been repotting some um tetraspermas the mini monstera they call it and so they're looking fantastic we're we're getting them climbing up their poles and so we the ladies downstairs have been working on that yesterday um let's see what else is down there lots of flowers fly traps we do have some Venus, pl- but they're moving, Merle. You know, I know. I noticed that. I yeah. see like half the tr- they're half gone already in one day. They're yeah. Which, well, people love them. They love to give them a go. They can be a, a bit of a challenge, quite honestly. Um, but they're totally doable. And there's one gentleman that we have in regularly. I don't know his name, but he's got a bog garden and including carnivorous plants. And he, it's just lovely. So you can do it with some good absolutely. care. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, and Valentine's Day, of course, is yes. It's tomorrow. 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 It's tomorrow. Carolyn's waiting so, for something Car- nice from you, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah. As <laughs> always. <laughs> um, yes, and so we're having that. lady on earth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we should actually take a few minutes. And, yeah. yeah. Um, we um, have our, our draw still, too. So yeah, so what is super that? Super exciting. So that is um, you enter on Instagram, you like, follow, and share um, the posts that we have. On, on our own Instagram page. Uh, there's a chance okay. to win two $50 gift cards or another um, op- opportunity to win an Anthurium, the Clarinervium that we have. It's the heart-shaped yep. velvet cardboard, and that's in a really pretty pink pot, so you win that um, and a $25 gift card. So it's one of the two prizes. And that's uh, till midnight tonight. You can enter, and we'll be drawing tomorrow morning. Awesome. And then also, but if you don't win, there's lots of great Valentine. Oh my gosh! Yeah, get, yeah, uh, cute little pots for and your, stuff too. For your partner, yeah, which is which is always it's always good to show a little appreciation. I know Carolyn was a florist for a number of years, so she always hated uh, sometimes Valentine's because <laughs> it was she'd be working till six at night, seven at yeah. night, and just be crazy time for her. So I imagine, um, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, but that it's good to show your appreciation to whoever you have in your life, and and it's nice thing with plants. And and flowers are great too, so I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not hacking on the flower shops. But <clears throat> when you are getting a plant, 
they will last longer. You're getting something that's going to live and, uh, and get a nice special pot. And, uh, and then you have something that they'll remember you for, for as long as they want Forever to. Forever and ever. Yeah, for as long as they want. <laughs> <laughs> Until you stay in their life. Until you do yeah. something that, that you're in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I, Anyways. Yeah. That's exactly right. And actually, now that you mention it, too, Jess did order in some beautiful – we have roses downstairs, potted roses, not the, not the stems. Yeah, those and are nice. some, Yeah, they are very nice. And some plants as well in cute little pots for Valentine's Day. I love Day. the little variegated Hoya that's, like, in a heart. Mm-hmm. Isn't that I just cute? think that it just, it's just tiny. But they're, well, not tiny, but they're about two, three inches high. I yep. just think it's a gorgeous little plant um, for – just, just sort of give it a little statement, right? Like, they're well, pretty cool. And the best part, Merle, people, I can't tell you how often people come in and they don't want a plant to grow. And, yeah. you know, for whatever re- their reason, they just want something that's not going to get big, not going to grow. And that's really it. So that Hoya heart that you're talking about is perfect. It's that single heart and they can take care of it. It's not going to grow bigger or it's well, just you just keep it alive. Looking. But cute. I know what you mean. If you, but if you have a plant or a spot that you just want to have a nice plant to sit on your desk or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so you can use something like that. You could use some of the smaller cactus, a few yeah. of the succulents and things like that. So and that's where it's good when you come in and and you're buying plants from a from a garden center like us. Um you're going to get that good advice and uh, Yes, you are. and uh, be able to steer you in the right direction as well. Yes, and you mentioned Chris's back, so so any questions on trees and shrubs and all that, she's there all day to answer any questions and uh, and landscape and all that other fun stuff. So yeah. um, chat with, uh, and most of the team um, are always in there figuring things out, doing lots of studying this time of year. We're excited. <laughs> this, this is going to be a good year. This is the it's spring is great. shaping up. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And that's the thing. That's what I love about our team too, Merle, is, is we don't know everything. And, you know, some know more than others in different areas, but we'll do our absolute best to make sure we get it covered from texting you, texting Brad, whatever it might be. We'll make sure that we get an answer for you. We don't, we don't just throw our hands up. So I love that about us. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I totally enjoy it. And I love when I, if I'm at the front and I'm chatting with a customer and then the next time I see the same kind of question come up and the cashier's there and they answer it. Mm-hmm. As I did, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Like you Isn't pay it? attention, you learned it, and yep. uh, now you can pass it on as well. So, yeah, and that's absolutely. that's the great thing about when you deal with any of the independent garden centers in Kari, and that's the nice thing you're going to get uh, some true passion in the garden business, which is which is us, and uh, we're we're fairly fortunate. We have a good group of garden centers in Calgary, mm-hmm. and uh, we do, and especially if you go. Um, Anywhere in the city, and if you go further out, there's some neat ones to visit, or in Edmonton, and and like I said, even if you're in Mexico, I like I said, you <laughs> mentioned that last time. I I sent pictures back to you guys, and I always seem oh. to find those out, sniff out the garden centers, which is which is lots of fun if you're yeah. out traveling, you get to see the different things. Um, sure. Speaking of passion, yeah. actually, I wanted to mention too. We did get a bigger order of some new cactus and succulents in. That's I know that's one of Jess's passions, yeah. and so she brought some a fresh supply. And so people have been drooling over the the little well, not literally, but over the little succulents. They're so cute, and I can't stop buying them myself. So um, and the citrus came in. The citrus, beautiful. 
Yes, I, you suckered me listening to you talk about your lemon, and people hear it all the time, Merle, when people come in, they mention Merle's, Merle's lemon tree, but um, I bought myself a grapefruit, I'm going to give it a try, I've been waiting for that, and then we have also the variegated leaved um, lemon tree. I know, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe getting one of those into but, a oh, nice bird they're pot. They're so pretty, they're yeah, so they're pretty. Gorgeous. Yeah, because yeah. so. it's very ornamental, because usually the lemons can, they can look a little bit wanky or not the best looking <laughs> plant when they're not full yeah. of fruit and things like that but just think that when that one's variegated leaf and it's full of lemons like that's a beautiful picture it's so stunning and then i wanted to ask you because i wasn't sure and i haven't looked it up but i noticed that the the branches are longer and sort of a softer they're not as a right it's not as a sturdy yeah plant. so I, I i would trim that up a bit okay. myself um yeah so i've seen that too <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Okay. Um, it's just, um, I think they gave it a good dose early spring down there in Florida before they came up. Um, they got just a big blast of their spring growth. So okay. just, uh, so that's why they're kind of a little bit long and a little bit lonky, wanky or whatever. Long, lanky, yeah. Lanky. yeah. <laughs> lonky, Making lanky. up words as I go. I love yeah, lanky. <laughs> there you go. It'll work. <clears throat> so I would prune those back a bit. I've taken back probably two or three nodes back. And 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 prune the, those branches so that way they just thicken up a little bit. Okay. Because uh, that way, when you get the fruit on them, they're not dangling down. And that's sometimes the problem with some of the with the lemons. If you get too much growth, um, then we get all that lemon on there. That right. they just that weighs them down, and actually branches can break. So yeah, that makes sense. You would yeah. you ever do a support or tie them up? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if right? you get a bunch of lemons on one branch, um, definitely stake them up, especially the smaller ones in pots, because we haven't got the t the chance to get them totally thickened like they would in the in their natural area. So for okay. sure. Okay. Hey, I, I gotta go just take out. a quick break and then I'll come back, Jen, Jen, and then we'll just do a chat a little bit more. And then uh, I'll let you go. And I got Myrna, and then also I'm gonna take some callers. 403-974-8255. If you want to join us, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's trusted year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, Prune it up. We got you covered. And I still have Jen with me. Hey Jen, let's take a let's take a caller here real quick. Okay. And uh, we'll see what we can hopefully help her out. Good morning, Kim. We'll we'll bring Kim on the line. Good morning, Kim. Hey, good morning. What a gorgeous day. Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm good and yourself? Doing great. How can I help you? Good, good. So I just had um, a comment on last week's show. There was a gentleman asking if fiddlehead ferns grow in our area. And yes, they definitely do. And down at Heritage Park, the first house, I think, on the north side, they have a beautiful hedge of fiddlehead ferns. So it's Yeah, they, they can actually become quite invasive a bit. Yeah. Um, so you do do they because they once they get multiplying their their spores or their over. bulbs, yeah, absolutely. 
They're beautiful. Yeah, you buy and, them up and, and I'll have a piece of your peenie and I'll give you some fiddlehead fern. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. They're they're a great plant. And and if you're mixing in the right plants with them, it kind of can create that uh, tropical jungle for you in the shade. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to, because I'm just getting my gardening brain back on me, and I live out in the country north of Strathmore, so I don't have the best of internet connections. So regarding um, natural fertilizers, like what is the difference between horse, sheep, cow, manure? Because I am <coughs> Well, I think they're... they're- they're all good. Um, also, depending on what they eat or what what the what the eating on the farm obviously has something to do with it as well. Yeah. And long as they're it's, aged properly, they oh, all yes. do good. We do years. a we do a horse one um, at the store in our green it up mix, and it's it's really good. It comes off the racetrack. It's aged. Um, yes. It does really yes, well. Yes. I yeah. know that. Well, can, there, hey Kim, sorry, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta take a break for the news. So, um, okay. we'll chat later on. Thanks, Kim. Take care. Sounds bye-bye. great. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. All right, I gotta take a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's sunny and three degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine thirty. I'm Megan Cobb. Police in Windsor, Ontario say enforcement actions are underway once again at the site of an ongoing protest against COVID-19 public health measures at the Ambassador Bridge, where traffic between Canada and the U.S. has been halted for days. The Prime Minister's office says the Incident Response Group will be meeting with Justin Trudeau for a second time this weekend to discuss illegal blockades and the occupations taking place across the country. The White House says U.S. President Joe Biden told Russia's Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine would cause human suffering, but there is no suggestion yesterday's hour-long call diminished the threat of an imminent war in Europe. A mix of sun and cloud in 6 degrees today, cloudy and minus 2 overnight, a chance of flurries and 2 degrees tomorrow. It's 3 degrees. Breaking news when it happens, our next scheduled update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. I'm going to go right to the phone line before I bring Myrna up. I just wanted to chat with Greg. He's been waiting for a little bit. Good morning, Greg. Hey, how you doing this morning? Doing great. Love how can show. I help you? Thank you. Uh, hey, I, I, I love doing I, it. I, I, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I know I've heard this before, but I, I got about 30 upright junipers, and they're about okay. 16, 18 years old. A lot of them are like 12, 14 feet tall. Wow. And every spring, I, every spring, I, you know, I baby these things, and I try to give them the best chance of survival every year. And last year was probably the worst I ever had, where I, I lost maybe 50% of the greenery on maybe about three or four trees. Now, yeah. I'm wondering, would it help them at all? And I, and I, I don't want to – I was thinking about getting the garden hose out and spraying them down right now because, like, obviously, they haven't had any moisture for four or five months, right, since probably Absol- October. Absolutely. I would do that today for sure. Um, get okay. in there, just hose out the center. Give just, like, just spray them all down, like, the foliage so that all the water will go down the foliage into the root system. Absolutely. though It won't hurt those at all. Um, the last oh. two or three years, our, our really dry falls have been hard on the junipers and things like that and have made them 
um, really susceptible to that uh, winter desiccation because it's, it's been so dry. Oh, yeah, it just breaks my heart when you see all these things because they're all about the same size. And, I, <coughs> and I'm hoping with well, the ones that, that got kind of uh, really hard winter kill last year, some of the branches totally died. Um, some of them are partially dead, and they, you could, I still had green so growth just, on some of it. Yeah, just cut those out. Water really well in the spring, and then fertilize with a thirty ten ten, and this will just okay. force some growth into them. Um, you could also, on these warm days, um, get a product called Wilt Proof. It's like okay. I mentioned before; it's a lip balm for your evergreens, for like cedars, junipers, cowry boxwood, things like that. And what it does, it's a natural product. It just puts a little bit of a wax seal on it. And it just protects it from these dry, desiccating winds and just the air kind of seals in well, the moisture. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I'll wait till around noon and then get the hose out and hopefully give them a good watering because I know we got lots of cold weather coming again yet, but uh, we're yeah. nearing it. And that windproof makes a big difference too. So, it, like I said, it'll seal them in if you want to give that a try. Okay, thank you so much. All right, take care, Greg. Have, have a great day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. And now I'm going to go to Myrna. Um, Myrna Pierman, and she's with Chinrid Seed. She's a, a bird guru. <laughs> Jesse has a has an official um, title. Good morning, Myrna. Good morning, Merle. I would say I'm a bird enthusiast. There you go. I like yep. that one. <laughs> I like that one. So how yeah. you how you making out? Great. I'm just standing here at my kitchen window watching dozens and dozens of red poles and chickadees. I'm a little worried about the lack of snow cover for our ponds next spring, but it is nice yeah. to have a respite from that cold. No, absolutely. And um, coming up, on actually not too far away, this coming weekend, next Friday, is the big bird count. Yeah, so it's Another called one. the yeah the Great Backyard Bird Count. It's organized by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and it is just a super way for people to get out and enjoy birding. So they do call it the Backyard Bird Count, but you don't have to count in your backyard. You can count anywhere. So they just all they ask is you count for 15 minutes or more on one or more of the four days. So that's 18th to the. Uh, Sorry. 18 to the, 18 the 21st. There you 21st. go. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. And basically, just go on birdcount.org, and all of the details are there. They actually even have a webinar coming up on the 16th. So if you want to get a few instructions on how to do it, you can just attend their webinar. But it's just a wonderful way for people to get out, and it's a, a way for scientists to track bird trends both numbers and that would be a great way to get kids into birding as well if you get them out okay hey now you got to count how many birds do you see right so yes, yeah and if you have bird a bird feeding station up then having them count at the bird feeders is probably the easiest but like you say getting them out in a local park or along the river in calgary my goodness you're pretty much guaranteed of seeing birds that's a really exciting way for get kids to be engaged in nature in the middle of the winter go down to carbon park pretty much guaranteed to see geese and swans and all kinds of ducks yeah i'm lucky i live down in riverstone right down by the river and it's uh birds are everywhere we get a lot of people come down here with their cameras and uh 
bird enthusiasts are taking pictures all the time of all the different birds and cause we get lots of the pelicans right down here and and then like you said tons of geese they're honking and it, all through the winter they haven't stopped or left yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're here all winter so yeah you're very lucky in calgary because of the two rivers that stay open and it is just an it's incredible how much biodiversity there is in your city Oh, absolutely. No, and the more we could do to uh, to help them and all that. Um, and we also were fortunate to get your book in. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your, your uh, bird feeding guide? Certainly. I wrote it in 2015, and it was sold out of 10,000 copies in uh, six months. So we reprinted it, and all of the proceeds from this book go to the Ellis Bird Farm. And basically, it's a complete guide to bird feeding in Alberta. I'd written in 1991 a book called Winter Bird Feeding. And so at the encouragement of bird watchers across Alberta, I decided to expand it. So it's year-round. It contains information about hummingbirds and rose-breasted grosbeaks in the summer and information about the birds that you can attract into your yard. Uh, I was... Uh... I was in when I was in Mexico. We were very fortunate to see a real macaw, like out awesome. in the jungle, fly yeah. by. Like, it was unreal. Like, it just this majestic, this beautiful green parrot fly by in the in the wild. It was just I just felt very fortunate to be wow. able to catch it. Yeah, and, great experience. Uh, so it's not quite that exciting. You know, well, in the winter. So when you get to see a, like you see an eagle, or if you see some of those yellow finches, or or some of the things that yet yeah, we're lucky yeah. to see here, they're um, still it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if you do see a parrot, it probably escaped from someone's house. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I found a cockatiel once sitting on my outbuildings here. So exactly, sometimes birds do escape. Absolutely. So at this time of year, again, what are we recommending for? for bird feeding or bird activities or because they're probably getting ready to start nesting too and things like that pretty soon. Well, it's a little bit early. early? Yeah, yeah, it's except for the white-breasted nuthatches. Now, interestingly, white-breasted nuthatches, which are very common all throughout Alberta, they stay pair-bonded year-round and it's very interesting because their brain, their, the hippocampus part of the brain, actually increases in size at this time of year because they, like the humans that like to enjoy Valentine's Day, these guys are already doing their love overtures to each other. So they are, you'll hear them calling, and so it's a male and female actually setting up their territory. So that's pretty interesting. For the rest of the birds, it's going to be six weeks, really, before anything major happens. So we can expect the bluebirds in about a month, but they are some of the really early arrivals that come back. So in terms of backyard bird feeding, again, sunflower seeds, shelled or unshelled, peanuts, shelled or unshelled, some of the great Chinridge blends. And so because we have so many red poles this year, Chinridge has a blend, it's the wild finch mix, and it's got both Niger and canola. And both of those seeds are really attractive to the red poles, which have descended en masse across the prairies this winter. And how's the supply for seed this year? Are you guys set up great? No shortages or anything? Um, well, I'm actually not sure about the that end of their business, but it seems like the you're well stocked. I enjoyed touring your store last week, and so I think the supply is fine. 
Okay, awesome. All right, well, I'm just going to take a quick break, Myrna. And when we get back, if you have any questions on birds or gardening, we can uh, definitely chat, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I do have Myrna Peterman with me, and she is with Chin Ridge Seed Company, and we also have her her book in stock um, regarding bird feeding. Um, welcome back, Myrna. Thank you. I'm just, um, what was I going to say? Uh, and so on your for your book, is it, is it set for just our region, or is it kind of, you, could it be used in other regions as well? Well, it can. Many of the principles are applicable right across Canada, but each province does have some unique species. And so, actually, this last spring, I teamed up with Trevor Harriet from Nature Saskatchewan, and we wrote a book called Backyard Bird Feeding, a Saskatchewan Guide. So 90% of the book is the same for both provinces because the yeah, I was types say, of food are the same. It's just that, yeah, yeah, there are some unique species. They don't have Clark's nutcrackers, for example, uh, right they in Saskatchewan. Won't, won't, so there are some of the species the different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they stay in the West. Saskatchewan either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just kidding. But um, obviously... So and it is it's very regionalized in some of these and I know especially like in gardening, like Calgary is even just so much different than Edmonton, um, as far as gardening. Like they can grow cedars a lot easier than us. They don't get the same Chinooks that we get that dry a lot of the stuff out. So I just know it's quite a bit different. And sometimes we struggle in our area getting the right plant information because right. of a lot of the publications are are done for BC or different areas, things like uh, that. So, uh-huh. but the birds. So the birds, unlike what you just described, the birds are pretty generalist. And the species that stay here, especially in the winter, they have to be very adaptable, right? So basically, they have to eat carrion or live prey or frozen insects or frozen berries. And so these birds that are that we have in the winter are tough. They're resilient, and when it comes to the species like the red poles or the pine grass beaks, some of these crossbills, they move over vast areas, especially in the boreal forest. So pretty much what's in Edmonton will be in Calgary, yeah, although you might have some birds. little minor eruptions in terms of birds, yes. Are you finding any unusual birds that are sticking around longer than normal, like are, that are wintering here now that maybe didn't stay four or five years ago? Um, I wouldn't say four or five years ago. What happens is every winter is different. And so, of course, this winter is this massive eruption of red poles. And, of course, again, to Calgary, species like the trumpeter swans and the tundra swans, you know, 10 or 15 years ago were rarely seen, and now they seem to just hang out, and they, they seem to be happy hanging around for the winter. This winter in Calgary, there are some fairly unusual ducks called harlequin ducks that are typically up in the mountains and they go to the west coast for the winter, but they're just hanging around happily, paddling around um, along the rivers in Calgary this winter. Yeah, I know where those swans are too. If you're coming down Deerfoot uh, and then you go 
you go past Seton and then you go down the down the gully and on the east side of Deerfoot there's a big few big ponds that are just fed off the river. They love hanging out in there. The swans hang out there almost all summer, right through fall. And they've just frozen over, so now I think they've moved off somewhere else. Yeah, but, it, along yeah, the river. I Usually yeah, in Carburn Park is a good place to see them. I have spent some wonderful hours just sitting there on the ice at the side of the river, and they're very tame. So it's a great opportunity to get down and see some of these species. <laughs> Um, I got a couple of texts for you that say, please tell Myrna I added Niger seed um, feeders to uh, to attract the red poles, and it really worked in capital letters. They came in flocks, but too well. The chickadees couldn't get near the feeder. Now I have segregated feeders. Ah. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point, and I would just like to address that. That is a really good idea. So because the red poles are so abundant this winter, that is a great idea. If you can get a hold of some canola or serve niger seed, which is very expensive, Chinridge has, as I mentioned, the finch mix. <clears throat> so put that in small in tube feeders and put it at a place, you know, separate from where you're hoping to have the chickadees come in. And you can give the chickadees the sunflower chips, which, of course, the red poles like too. But the chickadees are really, and the nuthatches, are super happy with the sunflowers in the shell. So if you fill some feeders up with, Sunflower, black oil sunflower seeds, then you'll concentrate the chickadees and the nuthatches around those feeders, and your finches will be happy over gobbling up niger and canola. Oh, nice. Okay, and yeah. it, here's another text. Hi, Merle. Ask the bird lady, Myrna. <laughs> I have a pair of little bluebirds that have a yellow belly. What are they? They've been here all winter. Could they be a wren of sorts? Yeah. Sorry, so it's a yellow bird? No, it's a, a blue, blue bird, bird with a yellow... That yellow belly. Oh, so those what could be they? buntings. Those could be lazuli buntings. That's the only thing I can think of. I would, really be ha- I would really like to talk to this person, so if you could keep their contact information when yeah, the show's over here, I would like to reach out because that is super unusual. If it's I have the yellow Karen's belly. text number. If she doesn't mind, I'll, if she responds and says it's okay, I'll pass... Yeah, her number sure. on to you and uh, and chat. See, that's what I love about this show. When we get things like that, I think it's pretty cool. When, yeah, uh, and it, they, there share. could be unusual species. Sometimes unusual birds do show up. And when you find something that is hmm, out of the ordinary, then it's good to follow up and get a photo. And if it is a rare bird, of course, the Alberta Rare Bird Committee is very interested in documenting all of these okay. unusual species. Hey, Myrna, I just got to take a quick break, and uh, when we get back, we got a few more texts here for you. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I do have Myrna Peterman still on the line. Hi, Myrna. Hello. And I've got a couple other texts here. Um, how can I track birds to a new condo area with lots of wind and small trees? I have a bird feeder, but only magpies. Yes. So bird feeding is one thing we can do to attract birds, but basically what we really need is habitat. And habitat is space within which creatures can find food, water, and shelter. And so without that component of shelter, it is a bit more difficult. Now, having said that, these wonderful little red poles, which have descended by the 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands across the prairies, are one of the few species that will come and explore areas where there are no trees. They're used to nesting up in the Arctic. So I would say try for the red poles this winter. So go get the finch mix or sunflower chips, put it in a tube feeder, hang it out there, magpies can't land on the feeder, and you might just get red poles coming in. But it really does depend on habitat, right? So once those trees grow and provide protection from predators in the elements, then the birds will show up. But it is difficult without having that other habitat. Is there bird clubs in, in Calgary? Oh, yes. There's Nature okay. Calgary. So just go on Nature Calgary. They have the bird group, and they do bird walks all the time on a regular basis. They're a wonderful group of very knowledgeable people. So just uh, do an online search for Nature Calgary. You can sign up we, for we their should, walks, uh, join them. We should maybe do a talk with some of them, maybe see what even what species of trees are better, and maybe we do a chat with them in summer let people know what kind of trees are best to plant and and things like that so to attract more birds yeah sure i did write Absolutely. a book called naturescape alberta creating and caring for wildlife habitat at home i'm not sure if you carry that book in your store but it is available through nature alberta and okay. so we do have a great resource there in terms of what to plant to attract all kinds of species okay nice but the important well, thing right go. now is to have shelter, right? I think I mentioned on our last yeah. show that I have this Katoni aster, shaggy, terrible-looking thing. But the chickadees love it because if you have birds that actually have to put their head down to peck open a seed, like the little chickadees, they, you will see that they'll grab a seed and they will fly to somewhere where they're safe so a predator yeah. can't, comes in, can't come in and, and get them unawares. The larger species, like the evening grosbeaks, well, they'll just sit at your feeder and chomp away and eat the seeds. They don't have to worry so much because they can eat and look around, whereas a little chickadee has its head down. And okay. so that's why shelter is so important. So they can feed in there and they can deke into the shelter if a predator comes along. Okay. Well, we'll do one more segment here after the break, Myrna. And I got okay. another, actually, Myrna's on, on, the, on the call. Another Myrna wants to ask about birds. <laughs> okay. um, so we'll keep Myrna on for another 20 minutes after the show here uh, for the first segment. And then we'll move on to some gardening after that. Um, so I'm getting lots of texts on both sides. So we'll go through the bird ones while I have Myrna here quickly. And sure. uh, so we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to. Let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mainly sunny and three degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. The mayor of Windsor says the blockade that shuttered the Ambassador Bridge border crossing for nearly a week is over. Police enforcement in Windsor was much more noticeable and forceful today, removing remaining protesters blocking access to the bridge. Global Sean O'Shea reports from Windsor. Well, it is over the blockade by protesters that had prevented the Ambassador Bridge from being open for the last seven days. Police broke it up today, early Sunday morning. They started that effort Saturday, but it stalled. Today, uh, it was very different. Uh, the RCMP were in full force today. The RCMP tactical assault vehicle was brought up to the front of the line. Uh, they told people that they had to leave, and then police officers converged from the front and from the rear and pushed 
uh, the protesters together. They also uh, knocked on the windows of the pickup trucks that were parked in that area. They told the drivers to get out, and then each of the two drivers who had refused to leave uh, was arrested. There were some other vehicles, some larger trucks, and those trucks decided that they would leave of their own accord. There were no arrests made here. Now we wait for the bridge to reopen. Sean O'Shea, Global News in Windsor, Ontario. Meanwhile, the Coots border crossing remains closed today. The CBSA says it is working to restore normal border operations at the point of entry as quickly as possible. But in the meantime, officials are telling commercial drivers to use border crossings in either B.C. or Saskatchewan. Calgary fire crews were busy last night battling a fast-moving grass fire at Nose Hill Park. Calls started coming in around 6.30 and the fire started in the northwest parking lot at 64th Avenue and 14th Street. According to the fire department, two hectares burned and CPS closed 14th Street briefly because of smoke. It took seven trucks and 17 firefighters to put out the fire. Crews are reminding everyone to be cautious as conditions are extremely dry right now. Concerns over Russian aggression towards Ukraine are affecting travel to the country. Russia denies it intends to invade but has massed well over 100,000 troops near the Ukrainian border. Reporter Terry Moran has details from Kyiv. Airlines are now beginning to consider the possibility of canceling flights to Ukraine. The Dutch carrier KLM has announced already it will stop all flights here because of fears of a Russian invasion. And a Portuguese flight was redirected in mid-flight today to neighboring Moldova when the company's insurer told them it would no longer cover flights to Ukraine. Russia is demanding that the West keep former Soviet countries like the Ukraine out of NATO. Meanwhile, Canada has shuttered its embassy in the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv and relocated its diplomatic staff to a temporary office in the western part of the country amid fears of a war with Russia. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie announced the move in a statement that blamed Russia for the deteriorating security situation in Ukraine. A scientist at the University of Saskatchewan is being recognized for her work studying the Northern Lights. Dr. Catherine McWilliams has earned an honorary fellowship from the Royal Astronomical Society in the UK. She's a physics professor and the director of Super Darn Canada, which studies the effects of space weather on our atmosphere. She says the goal is to one day predict the northern lights, just like the weather. But ultimately, the question, you know, is how, how is the aurora created? Um, and like I said, we have, a, we have a pretty good idea about how that happens, but there's details that we don't understand relating yeah. to, you know, what sets it off. So the timing is still a problem. I mean, we can, we can do some generalizations, but we're sort of at the stage where we can look out the window and see what's happening and kind of figure out what the weather will be for the next, you know, hour or so. Like, that's kind yeah. of where we are. <laughs> Dr. McWilliams says she's extremely humbled for the honor from the society that is over 200 years old. Taking a look at sports, Matt Tompkins stopped all 23 shots he faced and Canada blanked China 5-0 at the Beijing Olympics. Kent Johnson and Eric O'Dell each had a goal and an assist, while Ben Street, Adam Tambellini and Corbin Knight also scored. The win improves Canada's record to 2-1 at the tournament. Global News Sky Tracker weather, a mix of sun and cloud today will climb to a high of 6 degrees. Mainly cloudy and minus 2 overnight. Tomorrow there is a 60% chance of flurries with a high of 2. A mix of sun and cloud and minus 1 for Tuesday. Wednesday will be cloudy and 1 degree. It's 3 degrees at 10.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb.
Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. It's Merle Coombs here, and I have Myrna Pierman. Myrna, I have a quick question um, off the text. Um, yeah. Is it safe to feed small cashew unsalted chunks? She said the birds are loving them. Yes, is it very okay safe. to do that? Yes. Any of the tree nuts are excellent. Now, sometimes they can be big, too big. I've actually watched chickadees, <coughs> excuse me, try to pick up a big nut and they have a hard time flying off with it. So you can just chop them up so they're fine. Really, the finer, the better. Yeah. So excellent. Any tree nuts are excellent. Yeah, she said small pieces, <laughs> and that's Tina and Woodbine. So you're good to go. And down in Woodbine, you're going to have lots of tr- – lots of uh, you're just off of Fish Creek Park, so typically get lots of birds in that area. Yes, I yes, assume. that's a beautiful area. All right, I'm going to pull up Myrna on the phone line, and Myrna has a bird question for Myrna. Awesome. <laughs> Hello, Myrna. Good morning, Myrna. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a couple of questions. I purchased a cedar log. Uh, and I put the mixture of um, lard and peanut butter in it. Mm-hmm. I've had um, two little woodpeckers here, mm-hmm. only twice. Uh, I'm wondering, should I be replacing this? I, I did this in January, so it's probably close to a month and a half old. So I, how often should I be replacing this yeah, mixture? I, I think it'll be fine. Peanut okay. butter has got preservatives in it. Lard will last forever. <laughs> Pretty oh, much. Okay. It doesn't really go rancid. Um, so I think in the winter, it's fine to just leave it out. If it's in the summer and it's 80 degrees out, yep. then it could go bad. But I think you don't have to worry okay, great. right now. So, uh, I also purchased a uh, bird bath, heated bird bath. Mm-hmm. And how often do birds drink? I've only had one little woodpecker in there once. Okay. So the, are you, you're in Calgary? So the thing is the birds will come in and drink if they can't find any other water source. Typically, if there's lots of rivers open and areas that are open for them, even little puddles, they will, they, there are many places where they can access water. Okay. And birds will also eat snow in the winter. Right. So I wouldn't give up, but I just think maybe you should add to your setup there, get some sunflower chips, medium chips. So then you're all covered. You've got the seeds, the suet, and the water. Yeah, I do. And I I was just expecting more birds to be coming and drinking, and they don't seem to be. Yeah. Well, Sometimes it takes a while to to get to find you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, it depends on habitat. If you're in a mature neighborhood with mature trees, then you have a far greater chance of having the birds come in than these new neighborhoods with just little shrubs. Yeah, we're in Bowness, so there's lots of oh yes, yeah, uh, foliage down here. Yeah, well, don't give up. Okay, yeah, just put out the sunflower chips and the suet and the water, and like Merle said, the birds will find your spot, and uh, you you should be good to go. Okay, thanks a lot, Myrna. Thanks, Myrna. Okay, bye bye. All right, and Myrna, I got another text here. Uh, someone believes that they have a mockingbird. Oh, now. That is very interesting, especially in the winter. Again, um, if there's a possibility of you connecting me with this person and I can get a photo. Yeah, or she has would... a photo. I just sent it to you. I texted oh. it to you. I took okay. a picture of the screen. It's probably not quite as good. But, uh, yeah, she goes, hi, I believe this to be a, a northern mockingbird. It has been hanging around my Cairo home since last fall. Is this bird normal in our area? And I have uh, 
also have she has a robin that's overwintering in her yard as well. Yes. Okay, so I unusual. just looked at the picture, and what she has is a Townsend solitaire. And those are actually, I wouldn't say common, but they're not rare in the winter, especially around Calgary. There seem to be quite a few that have shown up this winter and are hanging around. <clears throat> so that's a okay. Townsend solitaire, a wonderful sighting. And she should just really enjoy it. They're beautiful birds. They're cousins to the robin. They're, they nest up in the mountains. And, yeah, it's always a thrill to see one. So, awesome. Okay. Yes, All right, great. and I got one more question here, a couple more questions. Good morning, Myrna and Merle. I have a question about pigeons. There is a family of pigeons nesting in my neighbor's eave trough for the past couple of years. I've read that they carry a lot of disease, mites, ticks, and so on. Should my neighbor and I be concerned. I have a feeling these ticks and mites could be getting into his house since they're nesting in the eave trough. Um, thank you and have a great weekend. Okay, so pigeons, poor pigeons, they're very maligned birds. They can be just a real problem. I don't think there's a huge issue with them carrying parasites that are going to bother people. Generally, any parasites that are on birds, they can get on people. I used to ban purple martins, and at the end of the day, we would be covered in fleas, which sounds really gross. But interestingly, these fleas die of hypothermia. <laughs> Our bodies okay. aren't warm enough, so they die eventually. I would suggest, though, that it's probably a good idea to try and exclude them from nesting on a building. So you can use porcupine cloth, so basically just spikes, or seal off the nesting area so they can't, that they can't nest. I wouldn't encourage them to nest right on your house. So they, there's lots of other nesting places for them in old buildings around the city. They don't need to nest on your house. Yeah. So you, if you get one of those owl, predator, yeah. uh, bobblehead, a little well, bit, or it those might. prickly it might. things, those, those things yeah. with the spikes on them. Yeah. So the birds are super smart, right? It doesn't take them long to figure out that the yeah. bobblehead really is fake. But that might work to begin with. But basically for pigeons, what you want to do is make sure they can't land. So that's why these spikes work so effectively. You just don't okay. want them to be able to perch. And so if you can cover the area with something that's uncomfortable for them, it doesn't harm them. It's just they won't land because they know yeah. it's not going to be comfortable. Then they'll scoot off and go somewhere else. I, I mentioned last week at the a lot of the resorts now, they're using predator falcons um, in all the resorts to keep all like the blackbirds and stuff away. Um, around the pool areas and stuff like that at a lot of the resorts down in Mexico and stuff. So, it's pretty cool. They have a falcon guy walking around, and this falcon just sort of flies around and just scares the birds off. Doesn't yeah, chase it's a great technique. They use it at airports too, sure. Yeah, that's a yeah. good idea. doesn't harm yeah, them. It just keeps cool. them away. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, are predators for small birds magpies and crows? Not in the winter. As long as a bird is healthy... Predators are magpies and crows, and crows aren't here in the winters, ravens. They will not bother the birds. They love garbage and carrion and suet, so they will come into your feeders, but they're not considered predators. However, it's a completely different story in the springtime when our songbirds are nesting. Both of these species, all the corvids, even the deer blue jay, are very... Uh, energetic nest robbers and so they will go through the woods and eat the eggs of our songbirds eat the young so they are not a predator considered a predator in the winter but absolutely they predate they like them when they're small yeah 
Yeah, they are okay. they are very very serious predators in okay. the spring and summer. Got, got another got a picture of a sharp shinned hawk that's okay. in their yard hunting their red poles. Yes. Okay, so when you have a bird feeding station set up, you have a food source. These birds are here pretty much all the time. <laughs> and the predators very quickly learn to come in. And so interestingly, because we so many people across North America feed birds in the winter, predators like the sharp chinned and Cooper's hawk have not only increased in number, but they've expanded their range. So the predators have followed, followed the birds. Typically, these predators will take the sick and weak birds, and so they're not going to take all your birds out. But it's a cycle of life. It's a circle of life. It's um, interesting to watch. Sometimes I've been sitting on my deck, and I see a, a predator come in and nail a chickadee. So it's kind of difficult to watch, but it is, it's just part of the natural system of things. Okay. Um, and what else do I have here? got a couple other... Um, what does Myrna think about shavings in a next a nest box for chickadee? I put yes. them in, but others tell me not to. I think it is a good idea to put them in, just a, f- a few shavings in the bottom. Chickadees, now I have seen lots of nests with chickadee, uh, nest boxes with chickadee nests in, and they will bring in their own nesting material, moss. Generally, it's a base of moss, but it does not hurt to put some shavings in, as long as the shavings don't get wet. So if you have a big rainstorm and there's a driving wind and the, the shavings get super wet and soggy and moldy, that's not a great idea. But it doesn't hurt to put a few shavings in the bottom. Okay. I've got a couple of hummingbird questions. Could you ask, Myrna, what is a good homemade recipe for hummingbird feeders? Um, and I'll, oh. I'll give the one I just for plants. I'll give this one first real quick. Vermillionaire, canna lilies, brighter yellow flowers. Hummingbirds just love them. Um, I get a, about two or three hummingbirds usually every night in the summertime, like once you get past July. Um, and they love those vermillionaire and the canna lilies, the bright yellow and orange um, canna lilies. They seem wow, like that's them. interesting. I did not know that. Love Typically, them. we and recommend honestly, the red tubular flowers, but it's great. If yeah, they... the vermilionaire has a little red tubular. It's sort of they're also called the cigar flower. Okay, so it's a tiny little looks like a hummingbird feeder on the end of it. Yeah, um, and they they work really good. But they just love the big canna lilies, which I was that's I was very surprised. interesting. Yes, the canna lilies love them. Hmm. So I'll have what, to add that other, to my list. Yeah, is uh, so is there a re- uh, is there a recipe for? Um, for uh, feeders? Like for the liquid feeder, yeah, yeah for the yeah. hummingbirds? Yeah, just four to one. So four parts water to one part sugar. You don't have to boil it, but it should be really hot water. So you put in the sugar, four parts sugar, or four, one part sugar, add four parts water, and just stir it very well so that it's completely dissolved, and voila, you have your hummingbird mixture. Do not add red food coloring. Don't use honey. Don't use brown sugar. Just use plain white sugar, and that should work. Okay. And change it frequently, especially in hot weather. So it's better to make small portions and let them empty it and then clean out the feeder, rinse it out well, and add a fresh add fresh solution. Okay. okay. Awesome. And we'll finish off with, um, they're just asking for the name of your book, 
And it is available down at Spruce It Up, but you can also order it. But the name of your book, and do you have a, a Facebook page or something where people can follow you? Yes. Okay. So the book is called Backyard Bird Feeding and Alberta Guide. It is available, yes, at your store. Or if you want to order it online, you can go to com, And I have a little store there, too. You can order it. And my other books. And... Um, yes, I have a Facebook page, so just search me, and I do post uh, every week or so about nature. So I love to ramble with my camera, so I do post interesting photos about interesting experiences out in nature, and I'd love to have folks follow me. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Myrna. Um, always enjoy when we get the time to chat, and I'm glad you got to have a little visit with uh, down at the store. Yes, and, uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, so thanks, thanks again, Myrna. Okay, and thank until you. Until we chat next time, happy birding and uh, continue on. And you too. Thanks so thank much, Thank you Merle. so much. Bye-bye. Thanks, Myrna. Bye-bye. Always great having Myrna on. So if you'd like to join me after the phone line or after the after the break, phone lines will be wide open, 403-974-8255. And we'll get back to some gardening. And I do know a little bit of birds if there's the odd regular question still, but... <clears throat> We'll move on to gardening. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Going to go right to the phone line. We're going to go to Kim. Uh, welcome back, Kim. Hey, I'm boring compared to the, the bird enthusiast. That Myrna, she's a wealth of knowledge. She's so yeah, she's wonderful. awesome. She should yeah. have a bird date with Brad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll set that up. Yeah, All right. Yeah. How, so how can I'm going to keep it short. Um, next would be I. I just need to have your professional opinion. Um, I put a bunch of mulch that has been aged for two years onto a bed that I did. Now I've decided, okay, but I want a different colored mulch. I know it turns gray over time. Yeah. But if you put, what, two to four inches of mulch, that'll keep any grasses from coming up? Um, you'll still get some grass once in a while coming up. And then I just use Roundup. Like if it comes through the mulch, I just give it a quick shot of Roundup when it just first start coming up. And then that okay. knocks it right back down. And okay. and it's always if you want to change the color, um, I and don't remove what's there. Just go over top. Just add okay. another inch or so over because it'll yeah, decompose yeah. the okay. bottom part, and that's what it does. It kind of weaves itself together and attaches nicely to the soil and creates okay. that barrier. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, if you just add to it, is will be perfect. Um, another question. Um, so that I had it. So the fellow that had all the Cedars, like, bravo for him. And we don't live on the West Coast, and we don't live on no, the yeah, East Coast. Yeah, he had junipers, the upright junipers. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder what type. I know the Brandon and the Emerald no, are hard. He was he was growing. He had uh, upright junipers. So he probably had, like, Wichita Blues or one of the ones that okay. are hardier. Okay. Like they, they're uh, they similar to a cedar. Um, but they're just a hardier, like the junipers are a little hardier than the cedars. Okay. And then one other question. On your fertilizer, your bag fertilizer, um, that 
it's not a synthetic fertilizer, and synthetic would be like Miracle Grow and the stuff that you buy in a box store. No, this is a granular, yeah, so it's all. Okay. So back when I used to work in the garden center at Home Depot, I used to tell everybody, a way to remember it is up, down, and all around. Is that yep. still holding yep. true today? Yep. So the first number, 16, is for the root, um, for the green up top. Uh, the middle number is 32 for the roots. And then the last six is just sort of a good all-around um, fertilizer. So okay. It, so um, reading the numbers from left to right, the yep. middle number is the roots and also fruit-producing. Is that Absolutely. not correct? Flowers and fruit. Yep. Okay. Good, good. So that's oh. why I recommend our fertilizer. Also, can be used in a lot of time your veggie garden or yeah. your flower garden. Yeah. It has that high middle number, okay. um, which is great. All right. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Great to hear from Thanks. you. Thanks. Have a good bye -bye. day. Enjoy the nice weather. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. I got time. I'm going to go to Brett. Good morning, Brett. Hello. Hey, how, how can I help you? Hey, listen. You know what? I just wanted to uh, tell everybody that uh, we're running out of time to prune elm trees. And you yes. know as well as I do, it's October to March. Yep. So if there's an elm tree anywhere that needs to be pruned, um, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, we need to uh, we need to let people know. Absolutely, no, and, that's, the and then go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah. From that is the time to help prevent the Dutch elm disease. So we don't want to open up. Yeah, we don't. We don't that. have Dutch elm disease, as you well know. We have the beetle, yeah. but we don't have the disease, right? Yeah. So, but so, yeah. Let's get it done. Let's do all. Yeah, the elms. no, it's. And and it's sad. I've seen some dishack jobs on some of the big elms, and uh, you can't do that to those big trees. <laughs> like it just well, you can't. Uh, there's one. Can't top there's the one on Elbow Drive where the Bro. guy had eight, a row of eight of them, and yeah. but this guy did. He took them off in the summer, and it was just it was it was heartbreaking to see what yeah. happened. It was yeah, no, that's gross. You wouldn't yeah. have nothing to do with that. But anyways, yeah. Thanks, elms, Brett. I appreciate. We gotta that. get it done. We gotta get it done. And of yeah, March, so October elms, to March, and it's over. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good reminder from Brett. And uh, I'll definitely I'll probably have Mark on next week from Pruned Up chat about the spring uh, uh, going on for your trees and shrubs. <laughs> I know he's booking pretty solid, which is great. A lot of people out getting uh, stuff done to their trees. But it's a perfect time to get out and look at your trees um, a day like this. You can look at the bark. You can look for crisscrossing branches. Oh, 3Ds as well, like dead, damaged, or diseased. Look at that and have a look and see what's going on with your with your trees and shrubs. But right now, i got to take a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's partly cloudy and 5 degrees in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. The mayor of Windsor says the blockade that shuttered the Ambassador Bridge border crossing for nearly a week is over. Drew Dilkins issued a statement saying the crossing that links Windsor and Detroit will reopen as soon as it's safe to do so, noting police and border agencies will be tasked with making that call. Meanwhile, the border crossing at Coots remains closed because of the protests there. The CBSA says it is working to restore normal border operations at this port of entry as quickly as possible. 
And the Winter Olympics finally look like the Winter Olympics. Real snow fell in Beijing for the first time since the games began, giving the city the appearance and feel of a real Winter Games. A mix of sun and cloud and six degrees today, cloudy and minus two overnight, a chance of flurries and two degrees tomorrow. It's five degrees. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Going to go right to the phone line. Um, Jane has been waiting very patiently. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. Thank you. Um, How can I help you? Well, I had a bird question. I don't know if I should pass it on now or just do sure. the garden. Um, we live on a farm an hour from the city, and about a month ago, I saw these amazing birds, a whole flock of them in a tree. They had the males had a red red peak. Yeah, they were about they were a little larger than a robin, and when they flew under their tail, they had a whitey yellow band. Yeah, and, those and could and be cedar waxwings. It sort of sounds like because they love well, to grow in flocks. Okay, but they were they looked like they were bigger than cedar waxwings. Okay, because I have huh. cedars here. Okay. And um, I could not get a picture. And I thought maybe she Myrna would be able to identify. Okay, well, and if you you can, and, and Myrna does have a a Facebook page where you can message her and things like that as well. Well, okay, um, thank you. Yeah, so maybe look her up, and that's this Pierman P E R A M A N. Um, P E R A. Thank you. Yeah. And, okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Hook up. And so, what about your gardening question? So I did send in um, two texts. Of a very sad-looking Meyer lemon tree. Yeah, and, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, and that and the calamella uh, orange as well. So, so one time before, I just threw away my Meyer's lemon when it looked like that, and then I realized I shouldn't have done that. So what do I do now? So what you got to do now, um, the Meyer's lemon, I would probably it looks like it's in the original pot. Um, uh, yeah. So I would probably look at transplanting that. And okay. it's sort of mine looked like this just before like beginning of January. Now mine's full of leaves. So, nice. so what I did is I just transplanted. I added uh, a bit of fertilizer. Um, I pulled off all the dead wood, and looks like there's on your lemon. It looks like most of it's gone, but yeah. just cut off any of the dead wood, clean it up. Um, I gave so if you transplant it, give it a good watering. And uh, and put it in the brightest window you have right now. Yeah, I and, do. I've got it in a big south window, and I yeah. use Rage Plus in it uh, quite sparingly during the winter, but I do use it maybe once a month in it. Yeah, um, okay. I think more importantly, and it's just don't keep them too wet at this time of year. Okay. Um, so same with your le- uh, your orange tree. Um, looking at it. There's some dead would, branches on it that yeah, I would cut all that of. stuff out. Yes. And uh, and again, does that pot have any drainage? Oh yes, it does. I've I've transplanted that orange, and it's got a um, a liner pot with drainage, and it, it fits in a bigger pot. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> so what I would do with that again? You have it in a nice bright window. Yeah. Clean out all the dead wood because a lot of times the plant is trying to use a lot of its energy trying mm-hmm. to revive a bunch of those old branches. So yeah. cut cut all those off. And any of the leaves that don't look great either, just pull them off 
and uh, and then it should just start rebounding here. Fertilize at thirty ten ten is what they like. Okay. The rage is good too, but um, if you've been using it already, <clears throat> I would maybe switch over, let it dry out a bit, give it a really good watering, and then give it a shot of thirty ten ten because they become fairly heavy feeders, so that the nitrogen will really help get them going. Good. Okay. So should they not have those um, those uh, spikes in them that you put a, a bottle of water in to keep them moist? No. They don't want oh, because they don't like to stay moist like that. Okay. They like to they like to dry out in between waterings, so All right. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I just need to get them starting to bud and bloom for spring now. Yep, so that's what you want. So start drying them out, get them into a good sunny spot, and that'll make a big difference. Good. Okay. Thank you for your help. All right, you're welcome. I'm glad right. you called right at the right time. I sent yeah. your text right up on the line. So good. Okay. All right. Thank you. Perfect. Thank yeah. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I got Genevieve on the line. Good morning, Genevieve. Yes, good morning, Meryl. Roger Black. I have yeah, a large Christmas cactus. was okay. doing really good. And I've had two fairly good-sized branches about, oh, half an inch thick. That had broken off at the dirt level. Okay. What? Yep. How can I restore that? Because they're pretty big. That broke off. How can and how I revert long would it they be? to plant it again? So how long is the whole branch? Is it like six or eight inches long, or? Uh, no, it's like eight or ten. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> what I would do stem. is go up to the top part. So pull off three of the little sections. And just break it off at the bottom of one of the sections. And then you can just stick those right into the soil. Oh, not water. Okay. You, you could do water as well. I've done mine right into the soil. And I just give that little area a little extra water to keep it moist. I don't water the whole plant. But I stuck some of them into a big jade pot. I just thought, hey, it might add some color to this jade. So I just oh. stuck some of them in the bottom of the jade. And they've rooted in quite nicely now. And, and what about fertilize? Um, twenty twenty twenty, just a good all purpose is perfect for those. Okay. Um or fifteen thirty fifteen um would also work great for that okay. as well. Oh, I hope I could restore it. Okay. Yeah, just you it. won't be able to use the old wood. So the bottom part you could try sticking it in, but chances are oh. it just needs the fresher green stuff further up okay. the branch. That sounds Reasonable, yeah. Yeah, good. it should work. Okay, thank you, Meryl. Have a good day. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I'm going to have a quick break here, and you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's trusted year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I'm going to go to the phone line. I'm going to go to Dwight. Good morning, Dwight. Hey, happy Sunday, buddy. Happy Sunday to you as well. How can um, we help you today? Okay, I got a question. I'm going to try something I've never tried before. Uh, they're, they're cold. <laughs> Were you going to cross a cucumber with a cannabis? Or what? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. There you go. That, yeah, that would be good, eh? 
Yeah, I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try ground cherries. Okay. Yeah, and I love you. Love good luck with those. So. Okay, and I the question I have is I I don't know about the zoning. It doesn't say anything on the package, and I can't find anything in my gardening book. So, would it be better in the greenhouse or better? Um, in you the can garden? start them in the greenhouse and then plant them outside. Okay, and then I guess they're kind of a sprawling plant, right? So you need yeah. two to three feet apart. Yeah, good sunny location to wait. Okay. Um, well-drained soil, sort of the typical. Um, don't like to be really, really dry, though, like good sunny hot, but they do need to get watered in because they do. It just any of that fruit, as you know, just especially in our heat when we get going in the summer um, early on, keep them well hydrated just so you can perform and get that nice fruit coming after. Yeah, and I guess these, these fruits, they grow in a kind of a papery husk. Yeah. And is that to protect the fruit or? Yeah, just sort of, they start out with sort of with that crust, sort of like the the lantern plant, I guess, too, right? So Okay. And it says it says that the husk will turn kind of a brownish color when the when it's ripe. Yeah. yeah. Or will it will it burst out of that or just Um no, it just sort of looks like they start peeling back a bit, Dwight. Oh, okay. Um yeah, so then you should be that should be fine there. Okay. And then I guess it's like a citrus flavor. Um, from what I hear, I've, I've had them like, you know, sometimes at restaurants, they'll have them as a, as a, just a little, uh, entree is part of the entree display. They'll have one of those little fruit sitting there. It's orange. looks like a little, it looks like the sugar daddy tomato, like the tiny little yellow tomato sugar baby. Yeah. Um, but but it's different. Yeah. So it has a little bit more, it has definitely a sweeter taste than that. Okay, but do you eat the shell as well, or do you have to peel it? No, I would. I, no, you don't have to. You kind of peel it. Yeah, you don't eat the shell. Oh, okay, because they're tiny, half half to three quarter inch in diameter. Yeah, sort of, sort of like, uh, like sort of those little tomatoes, like sort of those small cherry tomatoes. Okay. All right. Well, I'll give it a try. All right. Let me know how that goes. You bet. Bye now. And. Uh, you're you're wondering about those other seeds. I'm having a hard time getting those, but I definitely have um, the big pumpkin seeds. We can get you some. Oh, that sounds awesome, buddy. Okay, thanks, Dwight. Okay, okay see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye now. All right, and I got to go. Where am I at for time? Oh, I still got time. Absolutely. I'm going to go to Paul. Good morning, Paul. Hello. Hi, Paul. How can I help you? Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. You know, good day. It um, is. Sunshine. Super Bowl today. So, gardening this morning, Super Bowl this afternoon. Sounds like a great day. Absolutely. I, I've had my lemon and lime tree for over 25 years. Yeah. Right now, I have 15 limes on my lime tree. But no lemons, but that's to be expected because last year when I was moving it outside, I dropped it down my basement stairs. Oh, <laughs> a little shock, eh? <laughs> but it recovered amazingly well. Something you need to tell people that citrus trees are very dirty plants. Yeah. You're, you always have to clean up underneath them, and you got leaves all over the place. Um and uh, this so how do, year, you, how do you yeah. do it? Like, how do you, what's your sort of ritual for for 
getting. So you've had one going for a long time. So what's your ritual? Um, believe it or not, um, I usually give them Rage Plus on a semi-regular basis. Just when I'm watering it, I mix it yep. in with my water. Um, in mid to late April, I give them a Bloom Booster fertilizer. Yep. Just, just so they're just going to start coming into bud before I put them outside for the summer. Yeah. Um, I usually put them out right around the 24th of May weekend. They can handle some frost, so really don't worry about that. And then I let the bees do, the bees love them. Yeah, that's where I find I get the best results. I've kept one in a little bit longer. They do when you put them outside that you get that natural pollinization. It sure makes a big difference. Yeah, and the bees like them early. If they bloom early in the year, you got tons of bumblebees. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, the most I had was I think fourteen lemons, and mine got messed up, so I had no leaves. I've recovered now. Now I'm just full of leaves. So do you, so the bloom booster, so you're using something like a 15, 30, 15, some high middle number or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is I've tried being the bee with a paintbrush. Yeah. And it's a fun thing to do, but I don't see it really does any difference. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you I, can go talk to your plant and have fun, but. Yeah, they're pretty good on their own. <laughs> yeah, no, but they are messy and they can be a little bit. Like I said, sometimes if you're looking for that beautiful looking plant, they go through their time. Sometimes they'll shed more leaves. Sometimes they won't. Blah blah blah. But yep. uh, so you just gotta you gotta go with the flow with those ones. But we exactly. do have some of these gorgeous, these variegated. You should check them out. Variegated Ooh. lemon. So they're okay. sort of the white and green leaves. They. Oh yeah. They, yeah, they're they really quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of curious to see. I'd love to see one of those full of lemons would look awesome. So, Yeah, no kidding, eh? All right. Well, thanks um, so much, I got Paul. one other question for okay. you. I sent you a text. Um, I have okay. three amaryllis in one um, pot. Okay. And they've done great over the winter. I have one of them was a double white and had seven blossoms. Okay on one stem how do i keep them for next year okay so when they're done blooming yeah. um cut the big stalk off that flowered right so sort yeah. of when they're done blooming cut that off just let them continue to grow like a house plant and use your bloom booster feed them sort of once a week for three or four weeks okay and and then continue to grow say for another month or two and then just then just stop watering them and this okay. sort of let them go dormant. Yep. And then once all the leaves are brown and dried up, cut them all off, take those bulbs, and you can leave some of the soil around it if you want, and then just store them in a cool, dark place, like in a in a cardboard box among some really dry peat moss or potting soil, um, and just put them in the a, in a coolest, darkest spot you got in your house for 8, 12, or longer up until if you want to leave them till next October, November or something, pull them back out and then you can repot them at that time and let them go do their thing. Perfect. But it's important to feed them right now because then, because right now they're, they're rebuilding up all the nutrients back into the bulb. 
So you yeah. want to ensure that you're feeding them with that high middle number. So then, because a lot of people do this, and then they they <laughs> use the wrong fertilizer or nothing at all, and then next next Christmas when you go to pull them back up, they just get lots of leaves and no bloom. So you want to ensure you get that good phosphate in there. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Bye bye. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I actually got a text from Mexico. Hi, I'm living in Mazatlan. Just planted a bougainvillea. Do I keep them moist while they establish or dry? Um, definitely a little bit on the moisture side, especially if it's in full sun down there. And I would just uh, ensure, not don't keep it wet, wet all the time, but definitely make sure it stays um, f- moist in between waterings and once they get established they can dry it a little bit but if they're in pots they still you still have to look after them so um if you have them in the ground once they get established they become quite drought tolerant so you'll be good to go all right and i'm gonna go to the phone line i'm gonna go to sharon good morning sharon good morning merle uh i'm trying to do some raised bed gardening this year and i've been doing a bunch of research and people are recommending that you put sticks and leaves and all kinds of stuff in the bottom of the bed before you put your soil on top. And I'm living on an acreage with a couple of horses, and I have a plethora of horse manure. I'm wondering what that would do if I put fresh manure down in the bottom of the bed, would it? I, I wouldn't do fresh. Um, so you think that it would kind of filter up and... And be hard on the plant. It could, yeah, it could. Uh, just anything to do with manure, if it's not aged, it's powerful. <laughs> it can burn and do all kinds of nasty yeah. stuff. Plus, it plus it'll take all the nitrogen out of your existing soil. Like it'll okay. reach it down into it because that's like if you're using any like fresh leaves or or fresh bark mulch or things like that, it takes nitrogen to decompose. So it actually sucks the nitrogen out of your soil rather than being beneficial. But if you have good aged manure, that's great to add to your soil um, after the fact. So if it's been aged for a couple of years, add that into your soil, but be be like 25% and then soil after that. So don't just be careful not to use too much. Yeah, I just moved here last summer, so nothing's aged at this point. Yeah, so just let, yeah, so if, but you dried do it, do your, leaves and sticks and things you think Yeah, would be you can okay? put some of that in the bottom for sure. I, I'm not a – like sometimes if you, if you have access to good soil, I would just fill it with soil. Like if you just got – if you're just using – like are these beds going to be right on top of the ground or are they raised like above? Well, like, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that yet. I've been uh, watching some things on YouTube where people grow in um, like the the tubs, you know, the – yeah, with the snap-on lids and pails, and even cardboard boxes wrapped with chicken wire. Yeah, so, and the the lot I'm on is um, well, they put a lot of gravel around the house, and then the rest of it is uh, hills. So it's it's not going to be easy to dig a nice garden bed. So I was yeah, so you might want to truck in, like a, yeah, or even if you truck in a good load of of good garden loam to start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Are you close to Calgary or? No, I'm uh, midway between Trochu and Innisfail. Okay, but I'm sure there's um, if there's somebody out there may have some screen loam or something close by, or if yeah. you have a a truck, you can if you go into um, Red Deer or something, you'll be able to get a load of. I just the the better you start with a good good soil, just the more yeah. success you're going to have for the future years. So, okay, all right, good. Yep, thank you. Uh, all right, good luck. Thank yeah. you. Bye bye. Bye bye, and and it is it is tough when you just start out. So trying to figure out the the right thing. Thing I suggest to people is don't start too too big. Start out with a good foundation, though good soil, good products, and uh, and that will ensure your success. And uh, that also builds on your confidence going on. Anyways, um, this show flew by today. Thanks for everybody for participating. It was great. And we'll get our garden on right here next week on 770 CHQR.